Hello, welcome to the Scotch and Smokes podcast. I'm Brian. I'm Seth. And I'm Jesse. We are a fan podcast about the AMC show Mad Men. You can find us on the web at madcast.net. Also, look for us on Facebook. You can look up Scotch and Smokes podcast. And if you want to leave some feedback or comments about the show, our show or the Mad Men show, please do so there. For this episode, we'll be talking about technically the third episode of the season, since the first premiere episode was a double episode, and they kind of call that one two episodes. So this is actually known in the naming conventions as episode 603, and the title is Collaborators. Brian, I just love it when you get all technical. (laughs) Yeah, thank you. Let's see. So before we jump into the episode, are there any general comments you'd like to make? I was surprised they had uh, Allison, who plays Trudy, Mm -hmm. was a guest star. Allison Brie. Allison Brie, It was showed guest starring. Hmm. And uh, I don't know if that's part of... I don't know if she's always been shown as a guest star, but I noticed that this time, and I thought maybe, you know, we won't see as much of her this season, so therefore... And she's busy with community, but I, I noticed that for the first time. Hmm. Yeah, I haven't noticed that. Yeah, this was this was also an episode that John Hamm, I think, got an executive producer credit and also a director credit here in hmm. this episode. Good. The other thing I, I just wanted to throw this out to both of you: I felt this episode was less dense than la- last week. Of course, last week was, was two hours of material that we had to to analyze, but this week just seemed a lot less dense. That was my impression. What about you? How did you feel? Yeah, I agree. I don't think there was as much storyline packed into this one. I've read a few places online that a few of the normal Mad Men fans are thinking it's flat so far, but I Mm. think that's a pattern that usually happens with Mad Men that you know, it kind of builds up. I, I thought it was a good episode. I was pretty happy, but then there's a lot that happened that I just appreciated, including, you know, Pete getting his ass chewed by uh, <laughs> his wife. Yeah. I like the episode, and I understand that it didn't seem to have a lot of storyline in terms of, you know, the agency or some of the other characters, but for what it was with the the two main storylines of Pete and Dawn and their their dalliances, I thought it was really well done. And uh, I, the um, it was just emotionally heavy. And Ooh. in that sense, it was dense to me. Uh, okay. I, I didn't okay. think it was shallow in any aspect in terms of, of that. Yeah, maybe it was just the fact that it was one hour versus two hours last week. It just seemed like there was so much to digest last week. And I think this episode's a little bit more straightforward than last week's. Mm. I, I mean, it was good. I, I, I'm not, I'm not commenting on whether I liked it or didn't like it. I just thought it was, it was less to wade through. It was kind of not obvious, but a little bit more on the surface than maybe last mm. week's. No, I can see that. I think a little yeah. more on point. Yeah, a, a little more straight storytelling. I think yeah. you. I think yeah. as we delve into it, we will find that uh, I think this is, in one respect. Something of a setup episode, the whole Peggy and Hines catch up storyline. Oh, yeah. I think that's going to yeah. become something that's bigger in a few yeah. episodes yeah. down the line. That said, 
I thought there was enough meat on the bone for this one. I thought it was. I thought it was oh yeah, no, there was a fair amount. There was a fair amount, and and I agree. I, I like the way they juxtapose Don's dalliances with Pete, and how how their both their marriages are. Well, the the gentlemen are doing relatively the same thing, but the outcome in the marriage is is rather different. Right. So it certainly shows that Pete, as much as he tries, just can't be as good as Don. Don has just got this. <laughs> He well, knows he knows how to do even the affairs he has he knows the proper way to do it. Anyway. Yeah, but maybe maybe they're also saying that, you know, Megan who's kind of I wouldn't say Megan is, is all about herself, but she she's got more going on in her life than Trudy Campbell does. Mm-hmm. Trudy is a, a is a housewife. Trudy has more time to sit and think. I mean Megan is running around. Megan, in fact, as they as they point out in this episode, it seems to me, is living several lives now. She's living the life of her character. I think what's her name, Corinne, in the in the soap, mm. and it's such that she tells Sylvia Sylvia Rosen something. Well, she tells her that she's had a miscarriage, and Sylvia says, "Yes, I'll watch the show. I'll watch the show." And Megan says, "No, no, no, no. I mean in real life." <laughs> so it's hard, you know, so she's got a lot going on, whereas Trudy Campbell had more time to be, uh, let's say, a sleuth, uh, and, and and she figured she figured it out, Yeah. whereas Megan hasn't a clue. Well, let's, let's tackle this episode somewhat linearly. We don't do that okay. often, but uh, I think in this instance it, it makes sense to, since the, since the episode itself does have this sort of solid structure of Dawn and, and Pete and how, how it unfolds. Yeah. So the way it opens... With the dinner party at Pete's house, I thought from the opening yeah. scenes it was interesting how they had a two-on-one dynamic between there's two yeah. women talking to Pete, two women talking yeah. to, uh, two men two, talking, two men to, talking Trudy. to Trudy, and there's yeah. some flirtation going on with all of them, and just like Absolutely. little entendres they were you know sticking in there, and I thought that was uh, a nice touch. Agreed. I think this whole episode, I mean, if you could, to me, the, the whole episode was about awkwardness right away. That that was awfully awkward. But then, of course, with Don coming home one day and, and finding Sylvia in the house with Megan, that's awkward. The Jaguar guy coming into the Sterling Cooper Draper Price office and, you know, heading straight for Joan Harrison. That's awkward. Yeah. The whole thing that happened with Joan and that man, that Jaguar man was awkward. Mm-hmm. Peggy trying to assuage the, the, the men who work, the young men who work for her, because her black secretary tells her to, <laughs> and also Teddy Chow tells her to as well. Mm. And and she does it. She she tries to suck up to them, but she does that awkwardly. It, yeah. I mean, the whole episode has awkward themes all it does. throughout. And in my notes, at the scene where Dawn comes in when Megan and Sylvia are talking, and there's that awkward silence when he knows something is wrong something is odd in my notes i have written down awkward yeah me too. <laughs> i mean it was just I so yep. yeah i i thought it was interesting the dinner party you know how sometimes you do often you do break up into little bitty groups and uh, but it was a little strange the way they were trying to say goodbye mm-hmm. i was kind of you know, hey, Pete, you don't crap where you eat. <laughs> you should just back off a little bit. You're just a little too obvious there. Right. And uh, the guys were almost a Tex Avery wolf, you know, right. and, uh, Trudy. So that was kind of funny. 
And it was interesting, too, that the other housewife was sort of even more upfront about her flirtation with Pete than the one yeah. he ended up with. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. And I, I'm thinking maybe maybe Matt Weiner is tipping his hat to the phenomenon in the 60s at that point called wife swapping, um, where you had, a, you had a movie called Bob, Carol, Ted, and Alice, which was all about couples swapping wives. There was actually a, a baseball team, the New York Yankees, who reportedly, I'm not sure if it was ever really documented, but who reportedly had several players who had swapped wives in the 60s. Maybe that's what Matt Weiner's trying to talk about or trying to sort of show us or, or, or sort of tip of the cap to to wife swapping here and mm. to the sort of the free love that was going on in the 60s between married couples. I'm, I'm not sure. I, I'm just thinking. So let's take the flirtation to its logical conclusion, which was Pete meeting the girl whose name escapes me uh, at his apartment. And Brenda, know, Brenda, 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 he meets Brenda at his apartment and yep. they hook up. And I thought the, the way it was acted and written afterwards and they were getting dressed and whatnot. And, and the way she has this kind of longing puppy dog look in her eyes about Pete and how she's going to call him or hang up or park a certain way. And he's just like, don't do that. The the dynamic with Pete and the things that once he gets something that he wants and then he kind of just discards it. And like you you were saying, Jesse, you know, you, you shouldn't, you know, shit where you eat. And, you know, this is someone he lives next door to or down the road from. And I, I think he badly miscalculated this particular dalliance. Well, Pete's done that before, as you recall, a few a few seasons ago. Didn't he do that with the uh, with the au pair in his building yeah, when yeah. he was away for yeah. a summer vacation? Right. I think the husband of that family who was employing the au pair actually came into Pete's apartment and said, I believe he said something about, you know, I'm not sure if he said, you know, don't shit where you eat, but he said, come on, there are got to be thousands of au pairs in New York City. Don't pick on the ones in this building. Yeah. Yeah, he did, and also remember last year with Rory Gilmore, yeah, uh, the exactly. guy was somewhere in the neighborhood. Right. Um, you know they did. So yes, she wanted to be romanced. This was exciting to her, and it was just a piece of tail to Pete. Mm. I mean, he oh, didn't want to. I mean, right? Was he just? Yeah. You want something to drink? You want music? Right. You know, You're let's right. just get this going. And then when she, she was sort of dallying or, you know, hanging around a little bit, remember when she was dressing and Pete said, come yeah. on, let's let's move it along here. Come on. Yeah, the yeah. line he had, which was oh, just so God. cold, was, can you move it along a little? I mean, you know, come yeah. on. Not the way to talk to a lady, or to anybody else for that matter, but not to talk to a lady like that who you're trying to... Uh, to romance. No, not, not, not recommended. I mean, my one disappointment with that scene was they cut the scene right as he said that. You don't really see her yeah. reaction to it. I almost yeah. wanted to have seen her be like, what? Or I think he could have said anything to her and she would have been like, okay. So One of the key points that Maureen Ryan talked about in her review is that Don appears to have affairs with strong, confident women. Mm. Pete tends to go for, is her words, immature child women far less interesting than his wife. 
Mm. And, and I really do think that's a good point. Yeah. You know, Pete's going to be bored, but he doesn't. He doesn't want a long time affair. He just wants mm. a series of conquests. Right. Yeah. Which brings us back to that one line about the uh, the Heinz meeting when Don says, "You dance with the one that brought you." Mm-hmm. And it, yeah. th- that wasn't the line, perhaps, of the episode. It's uh, the one that brought you is, you know, I would take that as usually your spouse or, you know, right. someone that, yeah. you know, is your partner in some way or someone that's uh, done some meaningful thing for you or with you. And, and as we see, they don't follow that in terms of their personal lives. Costco, Ken, was just, but Don, it's ketchup. I mean, it's <laughs> Ketchup. This it's, is... it's it's the Coca Cola of condiments. Yes, <laughs> I um, thought that was the line of the of the show. Yes, actually, that was awesome. Okay. Yes, and I do think it was really crappy for the Beans guy to bring them in and then after it say, "Don't do anything with him." Yeah, but I think that, again, that kind of dovetailed with everything that was going on in this episode. You remember at some point that Don said to Sylvia, after they, I think after they had sex, he said, oh, by the way, this never happened. Mm. Yeah. Well, isn't that what the Beans guy was saying? This yeah. never happened. I never told you that you can't talk with him anymore. The Jaguar man came in and gave that whole uh, suggestion to Don to go with a local ad so that, that he could move more metal. And he said, oh, by the way, I never told you to say this. And, of course, Pete and Don are doing things that didn't happen, right? I mean, so it's that was a theme that ran throughout the whole episode. Excellent point, sir. Let's go ahead and, and move to, since we talked about Sylvia for a brief moment, let's talk about the Megan and Sylvia scene. Uh, I thought, again, we're talking about lines that are popping up that seem to have a meaning that exists in the scene, but also for the episode itself. When Sylvia said, I walked in on it and didn't want to pretend. Uh, I thought that was just a brilliant layered mm-hmm. line because it applies to so much in this episode. Do you think Megan had an abortion? No. Okay. I somehow got picked up that just because the way when she's talking to her, they were going, oh, I could never do that. You know, I'm from the same background as you. And Mm -hmm. it just seemed, you know, Sylvia was kind of cringing a little bit. Yeah. So that might have been just something on my mind. I mean, it's possible. I'd have to watch the scene again. My impression was that she was broken up about it, but but she was somewhat relieved because she wouldn't have to make the decision to perhaps have an okay. abortion. That's, that's, that's the way I took it. Okay, that would yeah. fit. That makes yeah. a lot more sense. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I think it also reinforces, I think we knew this last week, though, that Sylvia is, uh, well, I mean, she's wearing a cross around her neck, so she's not... Of the same religion as Dr. Rosen, let's mm. put it that way. Right. I think mm. we knew that. I think that was hinted at last week, but now we know it for sure. Yeah. So then Sylvia has this conversation with Megan, and it upsets her because she sees that there is something to Don's relationship with Megan. Don claims not to be as in love with Megan as he was before, but Megan obviously seems to be as much... Uh, devoted to Don as ever. 
Yeah, but Don still treats her pretty nicely. He does. Yeah, he does. He does. Other than cheating on her. Yeah, yeah. which which yeah. I guess we could jump to the 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 scene where she does finally tell him that she had a miscarriage. And mm-hmm. if you take everything out of the rest of the episode and you somehow didn't see that Don is having an affair with Sylvia. The interaction between Don and Megan, you would think they are a really strong couple that yeah. they don't have any yeah. problems. It reminds me of the scenes yeah. last season where yeah. he seemed to be really trying and he was really being a good husband. And the first thing she says to him after she said, I have a, had a miscarriage was, are you okay? I mean, he is right. empathized. He, he wants to know what she's feeling. Is she need help? Right. And, and those, right. are, those are the right words to say. And, and then yeah. he, you know, she talks about, you know, the conversation about possibly having kids and he's like, whatever you want. And then, but, it, but then right. you just realize it's all just a sham. He just doesn't believe that at yeah. all. And that's. Well, the- I, I'm going to disagree. I think he does. I think he is just very good at putting stuff in boxes or compartments, you know, as when he and Sylvia were in the maid's room sneaking smokes that, you know, he talked about, you just. You don't think about it. So I think Don's just very good at putting things in, behind doors, which, you know, we had that scene in the episode as well, him trying to peek through doors. Right. Well, but, uh, I agree with that. But do you think he compartmentalizes it, but I don't think he truly feels it. I just think he's now just sort of saying what he, she needs to hear. And I don't think it's genuine anymore. Well, I mean, isn't Don supposed to be a phony? I mean, he's in, adver- he's in advertising. That's right. supposedly a phony business, getting people to buy things and want things that they don't that they don't necessarily need. So isn't Don a bit of a phony in his professional <laughs> life and certainly is in his private life? He's very good at it, though. He's very, very, very good at it. I, I recall a line from the last episode. I think Mona, I think Roger Sterling's first wife, says about Roger, Roger, you can say and do anything and people will still love you. <laughs> no, I mean, the same thing with Don. I mean, everybody loves He's great looking and he, can't, he can do no wrong for, for the most part. But he's a phony, if you really think about it. He's a phony. Yeah. I mean, he's not really Don Draper. He's Dick Whitman, for God's sake. Right. <laughs> which we might as, yeah, which we might as well bring up at this point. The flashback, okay. the arrival of him and his mother and his not-yet-born half-brother to the brothel, right. the things he sees there. What was your takeaway from some of those scenes? Uh, wasn't crazy about them, to be honest with you. I mean, I think we know all that about him already. I guess we're learning about the earliest uh, visions of sex in Don Drake, or in Dick, excuse me, in Dick Whitman's life, and hopefully that will come back and, and instruct us about how he views women. Mm-hmm. Obviously, at the moment, he doesn't view women particularly well, and maybe that has something to do with his upbringing, and, and maybe it will it will cross over into his marriage, too. He seemed to be a dedicated husband to Megan, it seems to me, until Megan began to get a life of her own outside the SDCP office when she got her, when she got her career, her acting going, and she was not at home all the time. And, and that's when things started to go south with their marriage, yeah. or at least with Don's part of their marriage. And if I recall, Betty Draper, when she got that Coca-Cola 
well, actually, Don got it for her, but that Coca-Cola modeling thing, Don didn't like that at all. He was, he said he was okay with it, but he wasn't. I'm inclined to agree with you about the flashback as far as like the purpose of it and was it necessary. If this is just a one shot where we don't see that particular time and those group of actors again, I'm not really sure what this was meant to convey. I I felt like there was flashbacks in the past where like we saw Don at like the car dealership when he was like first selling cars. And Mm. I mean, that was for me more of a character revealing moment than Mm -hmm. this. Like the one thing about it was, you know, him witnessing his mother about to have sex with her sister's husband. I mean, that has to have been weird, but uh, again, we, we kind of knew a lot of this already. We're just sort of being shown it visually and graphically. So it's not like it's, that much that's we didn't know in our imaginations already. What do you think, Jesse? Yeah, I, I totally agree. I, I'm not sure the purpose. Uh, you know, I want to go back a little bit. I think Anna Draper is the first person, and really in a lot of ways, the last person that Don has been totally himself with. Yeah. yeah. And so, and since she's died, I think he's played a role with everyone. And I and I do believe last season he was trying to fake it till you make it with Megan. Mm-hmm. And and now then I really think Seth is right. He doesn't feel it, but he doesn't feel anything. I mean, I think that was very clear in the first couple of episodes, you know, that he's just going through the motions and is numbing himself with smokes and booze and just doesn't have a lot of passion. Yeah, of course, Roger was the one who said at least two times in the last episode, I don't feel anything. I don't feel right. anything. When talking to his psychiatrist, when talking about the death of his mother. I, I want to ask you, though, about smoking. We've heard Dr. Rosen say it at least once in last episode, uh, excuse me, two weeks ago, and then this past Sunday, we heard him say it again. Get rid of that smoking. Stop smoking to die. <laughs> Is Matt Weiner making it too obvious? Does he want us to think that Don's going to have problems with his smoking, or is he just misdirecting us? Or is this the point in the culture where certain people smoking started, yeah. this yeah. started the turn that, you know, we've now reached the point where you can't smoke anywhere, even an outdoor ballpark? So I don't know. I I do think it's interesting that's been brought up a lot this season. Uh, Roger's daughter. No, Daddy, Mm -hmm. you know that's bad for you. When Don lies, he forgot his cigarettes because he's going to go try to get a little something-something. You know, the doctor says, you got to stop those. Um, You know, when they're in the maid's room, uh, I thought we couldn't smoke here. Well, it turns out the maid smokes, so therefore the smell won't make right. the you know her husband seem upset. Uh, right. It seems obvious that they wouldn't go there, but Chekhov's gun, yeah. you know? Mm-hmm. So I, I don't know. I think that's a good thing to see and kind of follow. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, we'll keep an eye on it, but I, yeah. I, I don't know. Let's take a step back to Don and Sylvia when they're going out for the dinner. Conveniently, mm-hmm. once again, her husband is called off for something at the hospital, I presume, and it's just her. And just as a sidebar, Seth, they played some sort of 
music in the restaurant? Did you recognize yeah. it? It was a an aria from Norma. That's the name of the opera, Norma, by Vincenzo Bellini, and uh, no relation to the the champagne drink, by the way. <laughs> um, peach juice and champagne, I think it's called a Bellini also. But, mm. um, yeah, and the opera basically is about failed love affairs. And, and uh, I guess that's what's going on in this episode of Mad Men. So it, it is kind of an apt piece of music to... Uh, to uh, put behind the Italian um, restaurant scene, and then also it, it bled into the uh, the love scene with Don and Sylvia. I thought in terms of music, I thought the ending credits song, the, the Just a Gigolo by Bing Crosby, was was kind of more evocative and more interesting, yeah. and, and some of the lyrics there were, you know, I'm just playing a part, I'm just a gigolo. I mean, it, that could be Don, it could be Pete. Uh, I thought if we look at the lyrics of that song, they kind of jive through the episodic. See, I knew you would let me down. I knew you'd know yeah, that one. I knew. <laughs> Indeed. Okay, so uh, here's one of my, again, one of my favorite lines of the episode when Sylvia is upset with Dawn because, again, for a reason which I think is kind of ridiculous. I mean, talk about shitting where you eat. These guys live right down the hall from each other. Uh, they interact with each other as couples. She claims to like Megan and hangs out with her, sort of her confidant in these matters. But somehow she's surprised that this is going to somehow bite her in the ass, and it does. And so she's mad at Dawn. And then Dawn says to her, all right, I get it. You want to feel shitty right up until the point where I take your dress off because I'm going to do that. <laughs> I yeah. love that line. <laughs> was a great line and uh her she's in their look on her face is like oh yeah you're kind of right so w- what does that tell us of sylvia does she realize that yeah she kind of like with brenda how pete could have said anything to her even as mean as he did and she still would have been like oh i want to be with you when don says to sylvia you know whatever you want fine but we're gonna end up at, at your apartment and i'm gonna you know we're gonna have sex and it's almost the same thing. It's just like she just accepts it and is like, "Yeah, that's that's what it's going to be." I'll, I'm going to have a pout right now, but it's going to work out later. So, in that terms, is is she strong? Like you were saying before, Jesse. I mean, if if uh, in a way there there's a little parallel there between these these two paramours. Yeah, I, I think she is tempted and she enjoys the excitement, the affair. She obviously thinks Don is sexy and good-looking, and she's enjoying the sex. But she does like Megan. There's a lot of emotions there, and I think the uh, actress, Linda Carlinini, mm-hmm. it does a good job of showing it. It's funny because that actor – I mean, I remember from Freaks and Geeks and even yes. and ER, too. And, and I, I see her, and I, I recognize her, but there's a disconnect with me because I'm like the old Lindsay Weir versus this new – Sylvia Rosen, it's like I would never put them together. You know, it's like so totally different, which I guess is a credit to the actress. But, um, yeah, I mean, it's a well written character, but she's certainly carrying it off. Yeah. All right. Let's go to the scene where Brenda shows up at Pete's house. And, uh, I think Pete, who's not good at, uh, improvising in touchy situations, is very, again, that awkward word. He's, he's, if he hadn't tipped off before that something weird was going on, he, he certainly wasn't doing a good job of it this time. I guess the question I would like to pose is, obviously in this episode, Trudy says, I wanted you to be discreet. I'll let you have that apartment. So we now know later that she was wise to his wandering around and she was wise to his affairs. Yeah. So at what 
point, though, do you think that she knew that it was Brenda was the one? I, I mean, I I tend to think that she knew right up, right from the start because there's a line where she said when he offers clumsily to drive her over after he realizes that it wouldn't be best for Trudy and Brenda to be together. She's like, no, I'll run you over. It's best this way. Uh, I thought that was the, the the clue that basically said, I know what's going on here. I mean, Pete can't fix a sink as we <laughs> saw last year. He sure can't think on his feet. I mean, his eyes were wide and oh shit, oh shit, oh shit. And, um, and then he has the cowardly act of, I'm going to pretend I'm asleep. Mm-hmm. She's just waiting for him that next morning. And he's just, okay, I'm going to bluff my way through. Da-da-da, good morning. <laughs> <laughs> so, wow. Well, I, I actually read that completely differently from you guys. I noticed Pete's eyes during that scene when, when she comes in bloodied, when Brenda comes in bloodied and battered. And when her husband screams off camera, she's your problem now, Campbell. To me, that was the biggest clue, but I really didn't think Trudy had an idea. I, I, I was like, I was, I was surprised when we next came upon them and, and she knew. I was very surprised. I was that way, too, the first time I watched it. And then as I was flipping yeah. through like key scenes at places I had noted, I watched that scene again, especially when Trudy and Brenda left together. And I could... I just was paying attention to Trudy, the expression on her face and the way she spoke that line. It's, it's best, best this way. It's, it's best yeah. this way. In other words, uh, you know, you don't shouldn't be with her any more than you already have been. I, I just thought well, it, at that I, point see, it became t- clear. Yeah, I took that as, you know, you know, it would be better if I drove her, Pete, because I'm a woman and, you know, I can talk about her problem with her husband better than you can right well, I, I guess you, I, you could see it that I, I way really was surprised you could see it that I way if, if in the later scenes it hadn't been revealed that she already knew that he was having affairs with the knowledge now that she has been wise all this time that to me allows me to give her more credit in terms of what she's aware of and what 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 she's observed and what she knows yeah, but, but, but did, didn't like you know i thought there was still some ambiguity because at the end when he when he yells back at her in that, that next morning, he says, well, you know, uh, several days from now, you're going to be sitting here by yourself and you're going to realize nothing happened or, or you were wrong. Or he, he says something like that. And she, she responds, well, that's fine. That's a chance I'm going to take. Or so. I, I just, she says, that's, that's, something, uh, that's something I can live with. That's yeah, that's something said. I can live with. So I don't know. Maybe we're going to find out that Brenda told Trudy something on that drive to the hotel. I don't know. I just don't know how she found out. I mean, I realized that she kind of knew that Pete needed that apartment or wanted that apartment in Manhattan for some, let's say, extracurricular activity. But, uh, you know, I don't, I don't know. Uh, I, I think what do you think, Jesse? Doubt. Uh, yeah, I, Break the tie here. Yeah, no, no, yeah. I was convinced that she was smart enough to pick up that Pete had had something going with the neighbor. But I was a little bit surprised when she says, you know, I never said no to you. You got that apartment. You know, all I wanted you to be is discreet. And I'm like, holy, you know, she's a lot smarter than I had given her credit for. Right. So I was really not surprised that she'd figured out, and I agree with you guys going – 
no, it's best I take over is because she knew what was going on. I thought it was going to be a different kind of conversation like, you know, how much is this going on? What's happening? And Pete could not sell his way out of this. You know, he's talking about you're going to be in bed alone. <laughs> and, you know, I love the fact I'm not going to fail. So she's not getting a divorce. And then uh, if you unzip it to do anything within a X amount radius, radius, you're in trouble. So yeah, uh, she was awesome. She, that, yeah, she had a, a vehement sort of power to her that had not been witnessed before. And it was unfolding beautifully. I loved that power that was emanating from her. I mean, what she said was something along the lines of, if you even unzip your fly within like uh, 50 miles of here or something, I will destroy you. I mean, it's wow. Wow, Trudy. (laughs) Yeah, but on the other hand, on the other hand, just think about it this way. Trudy was buying into the whole false, truth um, uh-huh. theme of this episode. It didn't happen. Right. You can have your apartment in Manhattan. You can have your dalliances. They didn't happen. But but she knew they did. We're not going to get divorced. I'm not going to fail. So we're going to still be married. Everybody's going to think we're married and happy. Mm-hmm. So, but that didn't happen, did it? Yeah. yeah. It didn't, it's not, their marriage is not a real, it's a sham yeah. at this point. But they're going to stay married. And like she says, I will tell you when you can come to this house. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it is a little bit of a after the fact characterization of Trudy, because truthfully, I'm sure we could go back to her prior seasons and episodes. And I think very few of us could have said, oh, I really think she is on to him or, you know, she played it. Well, what do you I mean? Do you think well, I, if I you mean, went back to the scene just, where she said, OK, yeah. This is terrible. You need to have that apartment. I don't know. Yeah, but you you, you said that – I, I think you, Brian, just said that this was a power of Trudy that we'd never seen before. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know about that. I thought Trudy always wore the pants in that family. I mean, remember the whole thing about getting the apartment that Pete really didn't want to get. He did not want to get a New York apartment for both of them now. I'm talking about their, their house in New York, their apartment mm-hmm. in New York City. He did not want to get that. He did not want to buy an expensive apartment. She kind of maneuvered that whole thing for him, mm-hmm. around him, I would say. And, and I thought that was very powerful. I also thought last season when they had the dinner party at their house and Don and Megan came to it, and she got Don to come to that party, which Don you know, said, I don't go to parties on weekends with people from the office. I don't want to even see them. And Trudy calls him at the office, called Don at the office, and, you know, basically gave him an offer that he couldn't refuse. So I mm-hmm. think Trudy was a pretty powerful character. Well, yeah, I mean, I guess she's a powerful character. I'm just saying, like, the fury at which she unleashed it was not seen before. Correct. And I, and I don't think the detection was hinted at before that she really knew. Maybe, I guess we could go back and find bits, but what do you think, Jesse? I don't know. And I believe that the writing staff and Matt Weiner would be honest with you going, I don't know if she did or not, but it's worked out on this story. She does. So no one will really know when she figured this out, Mm -hmm. but it's clear she did now. She knows what's going on. And, you know, Seth, I think you're, I got another good point about that was one of the great moments last season when she gets Dawn and 
I've already cleared it. I know your schedule. I'm not letting you right. cancel. You know, yeah, right. and, and Don's like, okay. And in fact, you know, he later told Pete, you have everything and you're screwing it up. <laughs> right. Remember when yeah, Pete yeah. went to the whorehouse and, you know, and Don didn't do anything. He just drank mm-hmm. and, uh, and was kind of judging Pete. Of course, you know, that's changed now, but uh, right. Right. we'll see. Right. Let's talk about the, the Jaguar meeting. It was interesting that this guy, Herb, was his name? Herb, yeah. yeah. From Jaguar showed up again. Last season we had speculated, will we see him again? Or, um, you know, will, and I think, Seth, you had said, you know, will he come back and demand more from Joan? Or, And we actually seen that playing out a little bit. You know, it's like, what Roger said, you know, the Munich comment about, you know, the, the Germans, you know, they we appeased them, but they wanted more as a result. And um, so it was interesting to see that character come back. I thought it was just deftly done the way that Don took oh, yeah. the thing that he wanted and just maneuvered it in such a way that it became unappealing. And I mean, the oh. coupons, then like the, he turned into like the used cars and, and the, uh, oh, sure, oh. housewives maybe can do it. And it just was like, well done. It was very well done. In a lot of ways, Herb was just doing the wrong thing. I mean, this is a national campaign. He was just trying to save his own money because he didn't want to do local advertising. I just love the way Don pitched it. And we did everything you wanted us to do. (laughs) It just was perfect. And the guys sitting there, we don't want housewives coming to shop for our car. It's a mistress, remember? So it was sleazy when he, oh, Joni, you know, and she's just staring at him if looks could kill, right? Right. Oh, and I like the fact that Don wouldn't shake his hand at the beginning or the first mm-hmm. meeting they had, but then at the end of their meeting, after he had torpedoed it, he shook his hand and was like, see you later. Uh, yeah, exactly. I thought, I thought that was great. Mm-hmm. Yeah, except except you have to wonder again. A man who cheats on his wife, i.e. Don Draper, repeatedly, has some sort of loyalty to Joan Harrison and finds the whole business of this guy Herb from the Jaguar uh, company sleeping with her to get the deal. He finds that sleazy, mm-hmm. but he doesn't find... Cheated on his wife repeatedly, sleazy. I, I don't. Yeah. I don't. Well, again, that, that goes back to that episode last season in the podcast where we talked about that particular episode when uh, you know she does sleep with them, and it's like Don, for all he does, he does apparently have a certain code of some things which he feels is wrong. Does that yeah. remind him too much of the whorehouse that he grew up in? Well, Whereas having an affair isn't 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 having a having an affair isn't Sleeping with a whore. Well, perhaps that was the reason for including those flashbacks. It was if it if it was the reason. I don't think it was quite integrated well enough. But that might be the reason that that was what the way it was. What do you think of? Now we're just kind of branching out to some of the some of the smaller elements of the episode. This new character, Bob Benson. Oh yeah. He. What do you think he represents? To me, he's like this every guy who's like he's energetic. He has a smile on his face. He's go get him. In a way, he, he almost seems like he's not in the right place because this agency and this business just does not seem to be a fit for a person like that. 
what do you think is the role or the purpose of that type of character who is, you know, he seems like he wants to do good and unless he's like totally just a shark and this is all an act, which I don't think so at this point, but what do you think? No, I think he is an act. Oh, you think so? I think he's totally, yeah, I think he's totally a, an ass kisser, a, a guy who wants to climb up the ladder. He's, I think he's showing what Don and and Roger, well, maybe not Roger, but what Don used to be. Don used to be gung-ho and used to be, he did anything to get into that agency, as as we know. I mean, he, he kind of hoodwinked to Roger a little bit to get into Sterling Cooper. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's what this guy do, is doing. He's You know, he buys two coffees and gives one to Pete, and, you know, he'll give one away to Don. He'll... He'll go down and buy toilet paper for Pete. I mean, he, he's that's what Don was doing. Don was like, couldn't do, couldn't do enough to get into uh, no, Roger's good that, That's that's true. From this point, yeah, I think what... he's a shark. He's not a shark, but he's just a he's just a climber, and he's you know. Hmm. What do you think, Jesse? But he's, apparently, it's worked because now he's involved in the meeting. Yeah. What do you think, Jesse? He's Eddie Haskell, <laughs> right? <laughs> Yeah, that's a very lovely dress, Mrs. Cleaver. Yeah. Wow, you guys just came up with the best campaigns, <laughs> Mr. Draper. Yeah. Yeah, I just, I just think he's totally insincere, and I, I mean, I would not turn my back to him at hmm. all. See, I, I take it the other way, and simply for the reason that this whole show has people like that. I just think right. it would have would be a nice change. For there to be a character who actually was going to work and interacting with people with a genuine open motive of, I'll, I want to learn this. Uh, I want to buy you this because it might be good. And yeah, there's obviously, you, if he does something nice for someone, that it might be something that will in turn have them do something nice for him. But not in such a calculating way. I just think it would be nice if there was someone that was like, you know, to come along that was like, and after a while, people would be like, wait a minute, this guy actually doesn't want to just, you know, screw people. screw people and like, you know, push me down and walk over my back to get to the next level. It'd be interesting to see if that was the case. But Well, uh, isn't, that, isn't, that, isn't that Peggy Olsen? And isn't that why she's pretty reviled by Teddy, who takes her Heinz uh, story that she told him? She says in confidence, I'm not sure I agree, <laughs> and then turns it around and, and makes it into a business, well, not a business deal, but he's trying to make it into a business deal. Isn't she sort of the, not naive, I think, well, I think the whole thing was naive of her to even tell him that. I mean, that was really stupid. Yeah, yeah and, and, I told And I remember I, when she was saying that to him, when she was even telling him that, I remember thinking, no, don't do that, don't <laughs> do that, because once you do that, Peggy... Then it's then it's public knowledge. You mm-hmm. never said this is between me and my friend. Oh, I shouldn't tell you this. I won't tell you this. Please don't repeat. She never said any of that. She just told him the story out and out, and then he turned around. And I would say rightly so, because technically he didn't really do anything wrong. Mm. But again, in in sort of the theme of this episode of of things didn't really happen. He's going to turn around and say, no, I didn't hear about the Heinz thing through Peggy Olsen. I just heard it. You know, everybody knows about it. Mm. That's what he essentially said to her. Yeah, a couple points. We've seen Teddy be sneaky before. Oh, yeah. And she knows that. So I said the same thing. I went, oh, no, Peggy, don't. What are you doing? You can't trust him. And I would argue back earlier, 
I think Ginsburg was the character that it was not about getting ahead, not about backstabbing. His was the work. There is a beauty to the work, and that's why he wanted to work with Don. That's why he got a little bit cynical when they didn't take his work. They went with Don's because he thought his was better. Um, So I think Ginsburg is your character that we've seen that. So that's why I think the new guy from Lone Star, whatever his name is, (laughs) is, you know, Eddie Haskell. Mm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I thought Ginsburg, I got the impression like, yeah, he wanted to kiss up and he wanted to be good. But I I always felt there was an ambition in him from the start, like that eventually revealed itself. And this guy, I don't know. We'll we'll see how it plays out. But it's interesting that like so much attention is brought to this minor minor character who's really at this point it doesn't have any role whatsoever other than just being this satellite character. A note taker, basically. Yeah. yeah. Any other observations about the episode? I like that Stan and Peggy continue to talk. Mm. You know, mm. and, and you know, mm. I, I like that. I hope that continues the whole season that there's a lot of friendship and affection there and it's just really cool. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then she's trying to pretend she wasn't talking, you know, and Teddy's like, you're allowed to make personal calls this time of night. <laughs> and yeah. uh, I just wanted to bring that up. I thought they were great together. Yeah. But I think Teddy's going to make a, a move on Peggy. I, I don't think there's any doubt about that. Yeah, I agree. I am kind of surprised that Dawn hasn't interacted with her at this point. I know that they're mm. kind of peers now, and maybe he kind of isn't comfortable with that. So maybe that's why, or maybe it's just because they haven't had a chance story-wise for those two to have a reason to talk. But yeah. it would be interesting to see them operate at a peer level. Maybe that's what we're getting to, is that at some point they're going to be competing for the same client. That might be what's coming up. Yeah. yeah and, you think there anything with Himes with catch-up is going to happen there? Oh, certainly. Although this is what I understand is like Don's agency doesn't have ketchup. So what is it? Right. They're not losing anything. It's not like are they or is is the Peggy agency trying to poach the beans? No, no, they're trying no. to get ketchup. But I mean, now that Sterling Cooper Draper Price knows that ketchup is in play, more or less, here's another uh, situation where it never happened. This meeting never happened. I mean, ketchup yeah. was, is happy with its agency of record at the moment. But really, it isn't. Because if it was, you know, he wouldn't have met with Don if he was yeah, really absolutely. happy. One thing I noticed going throughout the episode, a little, a minor recurring element or theme was these little pecks on the cheek and kisses that were happening and who gave them and how they were received. At the beginning, the doctor Rosen gives Sylvia a peck on the cheek when she's like, hello. But I think she's asking for the money, not actually to get a peck on the cheek, but he goes and gives her a peck on the cheek. Uh, Later when Pete wakes up the morning after and goes to Trudy and she's sitting there very cold and not really receiving, he goes and kisses her. Peck on the cheek as if, oh, how are things now? Oh, I'm going to take your temperature and, okay, still kind of cold. Yeah. And then uh, the counter to all that was when Don comes home and Sylvia and Megan are having their conversation and she comes and she kisses him on the mouth. And it's a, it's not just a peck your okay. home type yeah. of kiss. It was a, a, real, a real kiss. So I thought that was interesting the way those different levels and showing of affection was portrayed. 
And oh. Megan has such great lips. Oh. Yeah, I mean, so right. And also, uh, just the overall direction. I thought this was a very steady. The 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 angles and the shots weren't overly calling attention to themselves. The thing that was the best was that the characters and the actors really brought out the emotion and the the parts of their character. And I thought that was good. And again, I thought it was very restrained. And like the example I would give is the scene where Pete is in bed waiting for a tree to come home. There's no dialogue. It's a medium shot. So you see them both. There's distance. She comes in, turns out the light, looks at him. And there's that look on her face. Again, no dialogue, but you can see that there's something (laughs) I just thought that was really well shot. The only thing that I think we did not discuss was the ending, hmm. where Don Ooh. can't get the energy to go into his own house. Right. And he just sits there outside the door. I will not use names, but recently a coworker was talking to me and saying, you know, I just have so frustrated with everything going on at work that I sat in the parking lot, working email off my phone. I just didn't want to walk in the building. And I just thought that was such a depressing ending that Mm -hmm. he couldn't even go in and sit down and grab a drink just right outside the door. Mm -hmm. Well, this follows the previous episode, which was entitled The Doorway. And I didn't didn't bring it up at the time, but one of the closing shots – of Don was he was in a doorway watching Rosen go off into the snow and he was framed exactly in that, the door. Um, And this episode also ends again in front of a a doorway. I'm wondering if this is going to be something that we are seeing as a visual motif throughout the season, which reminds me, this is something we didn't bring up of course in our season five wrap up for premium subscribers. We've talked about this, but Oh yeah. And I can't take credit for this, but it was something on YouTube or some other blog I saw that if you went back over season five and you watched throughout the various episodes, there was many shots of people in repose where they were lying down, kind of hands clasped over their belly. They're lying straight. And there's there's often like a shot overhead of them lying down or to the side, which was like a sort of a funeral type of pose. And it was done many times throughout the season. And it was a foreshadowing of the death of Lane, basically. I'm wondering, as we go through the season now, sort of at the very beginning of the season, are there clues in the same manner? And is the doorway one of those clues? Yeah, maybe. The yeah. doorway, maybe the smoking is another thing. I don't, I don't know. That's a good point. Yeah, and, and also, you notice they've talked... Vietnam is there. Oh, yes. That's the other thing, yes. It is a very, very, as appropriate for the times. And this is the next to last season, correct? Correct. Yeah, just a lot of things going on, a lot of foreshadowing. I'm not comfortable making predictions yet, Mm -hmm. but we did a pretty good job. I'm going to pat ourselves on the back about spotting the themes pretty early and talking about it all last Mm -hmm. season. And so... Mm -hmm. Hopefully we continue on this year doing that. But yeah, there is a lot of death in the air and a lot of depression. Yeah, I I was going to bring that up. I'm glad you you mentioned the war. There was several scenes where the war was either on TV or it was brought up in conversation. There's at least once per act that it was 
part of the setting in the background. And I, I just think that is something that's going to be carrying forward definitely. The Johnny Carson, little, mm-hmm. the little Johnny Carson blip, which I was going to say, how they got that. Yeah. That was beautiful. Yes. Because I believe all those shows have been erased. I don't know where they got that. But yeah. boy, whoever picked that up gets kudos. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, Jesse, is there anything you would like to plug or you'd like to give out your Twitter handle? <laughs> I am at JWJ170104. You can also hear me at Storming the Castle, where I get to do Brian's job. <laughs> I, I really appreciate this. Um, I, we do a podcast about the ABC show, Castle, and over the past few months, I've been hosting and I will tell you, it's a lot more fun just to listen <laughs> and add on versus hosting and trying to steer the bus. So <laughs> thank you, Brian, for keeping us, at least trying us on the straight and normal. Oh, it's narrow. easy. You guys make it so easy. How about you, Seth? Anything going on? Yeah, you can read my blog entries about uh, Mad Men at CableFacts.com. That's cable, com. And I also just started reading the first book of uh, Game of Thrones. So if you don't hear from me for a while, that's probably what I'm doing. <laughs> oh, wow. That's awesome. And you're watching the – you have seen some of the episodes from the, the current season, right? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Are you a Game of Thrones devotee? I wish I, I could say that. I, I haven't really a clue as to what's going on, but I like it. That's why I started to read the books. Yeah, I watch them, and I have made the decision – to not read the books because I don't want to be spoiled any on the TV show, even though I know there's differences. <laughs> um, but hey, I would be interested in the three of us doing a special mad, <laughs> mad fighting for the king episode if uh, you guys would be right. Up. See, I'm just the opposite. I, I read the books so I'm not so the TV doesn't spoil the books. Okay. I'm, I'm just <laughs> the opposite. Yeah. Of course, it takes a lot longer to get through the books. Good yes, God. It does. Oh, God. Yeah. Anyway, okay, so that will wrap up uh, this episode. Thanks again for everyone subscribing. You can again find us on the web at madcast.net. Probably the easiest way to post questions and get in contact with us is on Facebook if you look up Scotch and Smokes Podcast. Thanks again for subscribing. And what's our tagline or ending client? I forget. What did we say before? The bar is open. Oh, yeah. The bar, oh, okay. is, open. The bar is open. Yeah. Yes, the bar is open. All right. Bye, everybody. Bye, everyone. Bye. Thanks. Good night.